ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Long Lost Heroes podcast. We have a very special episode for you guys here tonight. Um, we are going to be doing our Roger Moore wrap-up. Um, we've done a couple of uh, other episodes where we're wrapping up, you know, kind of the culmination of a, of a Bond's legacy. We did this before with Pierce Brosnan, Daniel Craig. We skipped over doing Timothy Dalton and George Lazenby. I'm sure they'll come up tonight. Uh, come up tonight, but today we're talking about the man Roger Moore. And before we get any further, I'm AJ and I'm Frank, and welcome to the pod, Franks. Yes, um, sir. So we've we've done the work, right? We are we are trudging we are tr- tugging along here on watching the you know what, the Bond collection of films. Um, I think I had seen some Roger Moore's coming into this. Uh, after it, I feel differently. <laughs> Did you see a lot of Roger Moore's going into this? Uh, I thought I had seen Live and Let Die, um, and I remember Jaws. Maybe I, I think I'd seen some of The Spy Who Loved Me, but other than that, I don't think I really saw a whole lot. Um, and the ones that I thought I had seen were not very strong in my memory. So this was all very fresh and very new to me, as it sounds like it was for you. It, it really was. You know, um, it's interesting to see what, you know, I always looked at this through the lens of Lonnie. He's got to come on the podcast at some point. It's yes, interesting please. to see, like, what uh what he showed me and like what i got to see through him and what he did not show me (laughs) you know because it kind of goes the man with the golden gun moonraker and that was it (laughs) okay Uh, that makes sense yeah you know and i think those two films uh, of the you know the roger moore era represent kind of two different things that they were trying to do but you know kind of in the culmination of it all like uh, I don't know if they're my favorite of the whole thing, you know? Yeah, I don't know. You know, you you bring up your dad. Like, I, I a couple weeks ago was like, yeah, we're, we're covering all of James Bond. And I think it was, like, right as we're about to dive into Roger Moore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was like, oh, yeah, I... I'm sure I've seen a whole bunch of those, like, when, I, when they were coming out. They were coming out every summer, it felt like. Which is fairly true. <laughs> yeah, for <laughs> you know? sure. Um, but... No, he, he he did not, like, pass any of these on to me. Like, I think the main one that I, like, yeah, live and let die, but because, like, my mom is such a huge Beatles fan, like, I, like, <laughs> right. I latched onto the Beatles at a very young age, and, like, when I was listening to all the stuff and Paul McCartney, it's like, oh, live and let die, and it's, like, always on the radio, and it's like, yeah, this movie must be awesome. <laughs> and right. I don't think it really is. Um, no. So I don't know the 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 thing about Roger Moore, I think it, his like portrayal to me. So the thing that I feel like I always heard was like, it's so funny and it's so cheesy and it's super corny and it's like not serious, like that whole vein of things, right? I feel like a little bit of that is overblown. Like I I do think that there are elements of all of that, and like if you compare it to say like a Daniel Craig definitely but like i don't know i i I don't think that it was like so uh so unwatchable at times which is what it sounded like people were saying to me like do you feel that way oh yeah um you know the watchability of these varies but i think that you know 
it's interesting because his oeuvre like is bigger than Connery's in a way and it had to be interesting for the guys at the time to be like you know let's commit to this and like have a guy who can have a little bit more range and change up what he can do and in that you get you definitely get more range out of Roger Moore than what I remember of Connery or, or the other guys. Yeah. But I don't think it's a great <laughs> I don't think those are great places to be vacillating between. Yeah, and you know I also like I kinda wish he went deeper in some ways. Yeah, like, for sure. I, I'm like at, at the end of it all, being like we watched seven Roger Moores, I'm like, I don't even feel like feel like I know the guy. Oh my god. Cutting right to the quick of it, Frank. Oof. Yeah. You're right there because all the Daniel Craigs, they build up. You know this character. Yeah. You know, and, and it's and it's cumulative. So you learn more about him as he's growing into being Bond. Whereas this one, it's more like he's very set, and I feel like they got very comfortable with the formula, and that once they realized that the formula was important to this version of Bond, that they really committed to it a little too hard. And that the things that they did in Live and Let Die to break all the formulas and traditions are really just brought right back to play on kind of like nostalgia and, you know, people's understanding of who this guy is and what they're getting out of the movie product. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you think, do you think it's similar to star Wars in a way? It's, it's another big franchise that has, you know, over six movies, um, just Roger Moore's oeuvre. And, you know, it's crazy because you watch and, and I'm, I'm going to neglect the sequels here. Cause I'm, I'm actually kind of a anti-sequel binge right now oh you too <laughs> yeah yeah uh the i watched three i watched revenge of the sith the other day yeah and if you watch it now all that movie needs is like to adjust the lighting right you yeah. go back you play with the lighting you add lighting in different places that hopefully they can do now with technology like i think that the glow of the sabers in the sequel trilogy is like is much better and and lit better in those movies to be honest but and I think those movies are all shot way nicer. Um, but Revenge of the Sith is a fucking Greek tragedy. Pretty much from the hour mark on, I was crying the whole time. Yeah. Because you feel, you, I felt that, I feel similarly to how he feels, that frustration, that anger, and, and the wanting to do better, and, and his true fall, like his real commitment to, uh, Lucas's commitment to the idea that we're going to watch him go to become Darth Vader. Yeah. Um, I, I rewatched it. I think it was like right before May the 4th, because I remember it was when the Clone Wars was ending. Yeah. And so because the way that the, the final arc of the Clone Wars came out and we're not talking about James Bond at all, but whatever. <laughs> it's okay. We'll get back there. Don't worry. Um, uh, the way that arc went, it was concurrent to the events of the revenge of the Sith. And so I wanted to experience that like in real time. And so I rewatched it and it does really hold up. And, you know, having, I didn't start with one and two, I just dove in at three. And then eventually we also watched the original trilogy yep. it, and it works really well. I think, yeah, I mean, today's modern, like think about like the green screen with like infinity war and Endgame. like that would have like, sure. elevated that movie so much. It did, and you they mix it. You know what I mean? It's the mixing we always talk about. You know, that it's, you know, a lot of it is, a lot of Infinity War is practical. A lot of Infinity War is on a big green screen. Yeah. But if they're on a big green screen, they're supplementing it with sets. They're supplementing it with practical effects here and there. So you get lost in the illusion 
Whereas I think Lucas was, you know, he was very ahead of his time. You know, it's sad that the prequels don't get remembered the way Avatar will be remembered. Yeah. You know, Avatar is a technological achievement and everything that was done in those movies comes out of what Lucas did in the prequels, even though they're, they're loathed. Um, let's, let me rein you back. What was the comparison to, to, to bond here? You started that there's no arc. There's no arc. You know, that there's no, you know, and, and I get that there's no real arc in, um, the, the Craig movies. And I'm going to compare them because that's the last big sequence of movies we watched. Um, even if there isn't a, a story through line, there is an understanding of his cumulative experience as Bond that gives an arc to these movies. And a lot of them are kind of sequels to each other if they're not sequels to all of them. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Quantum of Solace is definitely a direct sequel to Casino Royale. And exactly. And Spectre is definitely a sequel to all of them. So I agree with you completely. Like, you've, you've it's yeah, it's the character development and, and his experiences. You Even if, you, if they don't say it, you can feel it, like, in his performance and the weight in his eyes and you know the other characters around him like judy dench and then the absence of judy dench yep whereas like here it's like okay yeah we had a different m about halfway through but money penny's the same q's the same um like the other guy um what is he the minister Bernard of defense Lee. or something oh the minister yes minister yeah. of defense yes he's the same um so yeah like it, it does feel very similar and formulaic and while it works and like it, it it helps like you like ground you into the movie and you're like okay this is what's gonna happen next <laughs> but yeah. like ultimately other than like that one shot of like him like talking about his wife which movie was that even in i don't even remember at this point but Oh shit! Was it, that was an early one? That would might have been like Man with the Golden Gun. I think he was talking about her in I Man with the Golden Man Gun, the and then she's gun. referenced heavily in For Your Eyes Only. For Your Eyes Only, right? Because he goes to the, her grave. So like, yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. that's it though. Like, there's no. And I know it's the '70s and the '80s, and no one's really super concerned with continuity. But like, you're playing with the same actor, like seven movies in a row. How could you yeah. not like do more? I don't know. So let, let me ask you this question. Do you think it's Roger Moore? Is it Roger Moore or is it the movies? Because if we're talking about the prequels, is it Hayden Christensen? <laughs> or is it Lucas? Right? Like, to me, it's um, it's definitely Lucas. I do think I, I it's think, Lucas. Yeah, you know, that I think that Hayden, you know, say what you want about, you know, the line readings in at the end. Okay, they're bad. We know that. But I don't think it's because Hayden isn't a good actor. I think it's because he's given bad direction and he wasn't shown the consideration for where his character was going, wasn't giving enough attention and love by a guy who is trying to, to focus on realizing his vision of Mustafar. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's like such a shame that, you know, when, when Lucas stepped back in the original trilogy and, and worked on some other things, like the movies really shown. And like he decided to go back into the director's chair and wrote everything, and right. it just like it wasn't as good. And so that model, yeah, maybe it is the direction, maybe it is the writing. Um, I got I got to believe that that's it because you know, I, I I don't hate Roger Moore, and I don't and I don't fault him for the problems of the movies. I think it's the, I think it's 
I think it's broccoli. I think that they were too, and you could see that them going big with Moonraker and then pulling back for Free Your Eyes Only, that they were trying to see what they could get away with and how they could make the most money out of it, and that they were, you know, after Moonraker, they are pretty fucking formulaic, man. Yeah. And it's a... Uh, well, I, even before Moonraker. Sure. Spy Who Loved Me and Moonraker are like almost carbon copies of each other, aren't they? Yeah. Um, they're, it's the same movie within three years of each other. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think the one, I mean, not that I've seen a whole lot of Hayden Christensen, because I know that there are some really, like there is one movie out there that everyone like loves of his. Oh, what's that one? I can't remember the name of it. It's... um. It's not Looper. It's something like that with like a jumper, jump something. Yeah, it, it is uh, called Jumper. Jumper. It's Jumper. <laughs> um, yeah. So apparently that's like a really good film and he's really great in it. The thing here is that I don't know anything else that Roger Moore has done. Obviously, he, he must have done a lot because he was no, like. He's, 40- a, he's a cameo guy at, at this point. Well, a- after his. I mean, after his tenure as Bond, he's already 57, but, like, pre-Bond, 45 years old, like, he he, he got their attention somehow, right? Um, I don't know. It, it just makes me wonder, like, because if he was bad, if he was a bad actor, he wouldn't have been cast as Bond, and he wouldn't have been Bond for seven years. Yep. That's true. Not seven years, seven movies. I, I think that he does bring a great levity to it, I think that he does make it uh, – he, you know, after um, Man with the Golden Gun, he does bring a great, uh, you know, sensitivity to it. And I think that he, you know, he was able to kind of grow and change in ways that are fitting within the character. You know what I mean? But he didn't – I don't think he was ever like, what does Bond want? <laughs> You know? Yeah. Or like, what's Bond's motivation? I think he was like, I'm showing up here to – you know, act in these specific scenes. These other dudes are going to come in and do the stunts, and I'm going to go home. Yeah. I mean, I think maybe there's an argument to be said that in the first half of the movies that he did, maybe he really, like, did want to mix it up and really want to do something new and different. But, like, by the end, where he's like, I want to be done, but I'm just getting paid to do this. Like, yeah, he's not innovating anything new. He's not trying anything new. Um which is, you know, to the detriment of, of the, the films. But, you know, after this, we, we go to Timothy Dalton and they change things up, like, in such a huge way. It makes me really appreciate those movies a lot more. I know. Like, I'm, I was thinking about it. I'm like, well, I don't know if I want to rewatch them yet. <laughs> right. But um, License to Kill was one of the ones that I didn't watch with Megan. So I'm like, yeah, I'd watch that. Why not? Sure. And you can see that they're they're trying to to change it. You know what I mean? That they saw what they had done, that they needed to redirect and like go in a new direction and that they, they knew that bond had to evolve. Right. And I, I definitely feel like looking back on it in the oeuvre of or the collection of James Bond. I don't want to say oeuvre too much. Um, it's one of your you know, favorite words. <laughs> it's one of my best. It's one of my favorite ones. Um, <laughs> it means eggs. Uh, so ultimately, <laughs> uh, I think Dalton's going to be looked back and remembered and loved, beloved, you know, and he, he he is, you know, the same way that, you know, OHMSS is also beloved and yeah. is a huge inspiring film to major directors, you know what I mean? And, and, the, and the way that, you know, we kind of look at it kind of from a, 
we t- I think I come at it from a Star Wars perspective of like, well, like fuck this guy, like regardless of like ha- the, whether the movie is a good movie or not, like you know I don't appreciate like the behind the scenes stuff and that they weren't able to kind of continue this, that they had to do, you know, different stuff in order to get to the next level, and that is like it's weird to me, you know, like uh, like. Why are my stupid biases about, you know, a sci-fi franchise affecting my feelings about Bond? They're not really connected at all. Um, except for Moonraker. Except for Moonraker. All right. Um, l- let's get back to Roger Moore in a second. I want to talk about Money Penny for a minute. Oh, yeah, sure. We know Money Penny from, you know, I guess my first introduction to her was probably in the uh, the Brosnan movies. Um, and that she's Well, the character. The character, sure. Okay. And I'm glad that we started with those now even more because they, you know, it's where we started with Bond. So, like, why not start where we started? Sure. I don't love that um, they didn't recast Moneypenny. And I think that it looks weird. And I think that they saw what they tried to do with the younger girl in um, Octopussy. Yeah. And they were like, people do not like that. (laughs) Yeah. And they just should have recast her. And they could have recast her a couple of times. And I don't think it would have made a lick of difference. So Lois Maxwell, was she was in all of them? She's in pretty much all of them up until... Uh, this one, until th- A View to a Kill, I think. Yeah, she's she's it. So And she's great. Yeah. But I think she could have used a rewrite. I, well, it's weird at the end. It's weird at the end. And, like, yes. After... We've only seen, like, half of her tenure so far, right? We've got to go back and watch Connery. But she probably did, the, like... The, the majority of those jokes, those acts, like every the, the scene over and over and over again. Like, how many times can we see the same thing done by the same actress? There just wasn't any growth. There wasn't any... No. Mo- they didn't, like... They should have, like, you know, included her in the plot somewhere or, or something. According to the James Bonding podcast in the, in the last movie, which, again, of you to a kill, she's wearing a wedding band. Mm. What do you think about that? So she's finally moved on and has gotten married, and yeah, and yeah. that the flirtation just becomes purely an office thing. It's yeah. not real. I mean, even pre-wedding band, I don't know how much it's anything. I feel like it is purely just an office thing. I don't know. I maybe it, because it's like everything we've seen, like they're both like in their forties or whatever, and it's just like okay, whatever, stop, mom and dad. <laughs> Yeah, it's weird. <laughs> Get a room, guys. Um, okay. Yeah, I don't know. I uh, I don't know. I'm excited to see her young and smoking hot in the Sean Connery movies. Sure. Um, but I also kind of understand, um, you know, that, that they – I get wanting to commit to her for the entire time. I also think that maybe they could have changed her up and we could have had a new actress and I don't think anybody would have noticed. Um, yeah. All right. Anybody, any other ancillary characters you want to talk about uh, from the Roger Moore era? Um, I mean, I, I don't think there's much to say about Q. I think, like, on the flip side, it's actually kind of charming for him to be the same over and over again. Well, that's different. You know what I you mean? I think, I think Q has a, well, Q has a very different relationship with Bond. Yeah. Right? And then it also makes sense that Q would remain the same as he's the guy in MI6 and Bond live or dies, you know, new or old code name is going to go to this dude. Sure. You know, like to me that, that feels good. It's also, 
you know, he has varying levels of involvement in the different movies, which I think is totally good and helps his character so that when he shows up a lot in Octopussy, you're like, oh, this is great. But when he pulls back in other films, um, you know, or doesn't do a car scene or doesn't do a cue scene or how they, you know, subvert the cue scene that we, you know, have established um, that it it's welcome. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, I mean, like I love him. So, I uh, he, go ahead. I was just gonna say, sort of on that topic, like you know, if we we're we're talking about the category, like why doesn't this era have any Bond cars? <laughs> like, it's weird, isn't it? It's so bizarre to me. Like I think we were talking about it last episode, but like there's such an absence of cars. There's such an absence of like so many of the Bond tropes, right? Like. Yeah. You don't how often do we see him in a talks? How often is he drinking martinis? How often is he gambling? Like, yeah, he's still like having sex with a lot of women, but like I don't know, it just feels completely different to me and um I think the car thing is really a shame because I, I think most of, of I mean I know there's the Lotus which is awesome. Right. But like that's the only one that's really that memorable to me. Totally. And it and you know, I think that they were going after boats for a couple of years. <laughs> um, and they were. Fuck boats. Yeah, fuck boats. <laughs> fuck boats in the dick, man. Those suck. You know, how exciting can a boat chase be? Like, I'll t- was it that ex- Go ahead. You know what? Okay, here's a si- another side tangent, which actually ties into this. So I, I think I've expressed before that in addition to our James Bond mission, I've got one side project with my colleagues where we're watching a lot of Nicolas Cage. I have another little side project of my own where I've been revisiting a lot of action movies from like the eighties and nineties because either I've never seen them or it's been a long time. So first of all, yesterday was Sean Connery's birthday. Oh, happy birthday, Sean Connery. 90. 90. I'm excited to get into his films. Oh, I can't wait. But also about a week ago, I want to say I watched the hunt for red October. Uh, It's a great movie and it's a fantastic movie. And so then, over this week, uh, in a couple of bits, I actually I've watched Patriot Games, which is like the it's a sequel to Hunt for October. It's with Harrison Ford instead. Uh, but there is an awesome boat scene at the end where it's him and Sean Bean and it's like in the, the thunderstorm. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. In the rain and it's dark and it's like that was a fucking awesome boat scene. Nothing like that happens in James Bond. <laughs> nope. Nope. I don't think that they were able to figure out how to push the action in these movies. And I think that that shows, you know what I mean? I think that the reason the Craig movies are so different is we said this before the physicality that he brings to it, the believability that he's on top of the train in the beginning of Skyfall, the believability that he is, um, you know, running through the crazy uh, market in the beginning of Casino Royale. Like, yeah, he brings such an amazing presence and you know activity that you know, I think so is it, it's so awesome that they did that and and so forever fucking grateful to this man <laughs> and yeah. like like he's he's the fucking man and I I think that you know it makes Pierce Brosnan look a little you know like Roger Moore in some ways I think a little bit. All but, you know, that Roger Moore goes full in on, yes, I'm the funny Bond, but I think Pierce Brosnan tried to vacillate a a little bit because Pierce Brosnan isn't of himself very funny. So when he can get the joke, he gets away with it. 
but he never gets caught in a situation where he has to say a joke and be funny and he's not. Right. And that happens a lot to Roger Moore. I think it's going to be interesting as we like wrap up this whole thing and we're going to, I know we're going to try to rank the movies, but like it may also be, I don't know if it's even achievable to rank the actual actors. No, I, I agree with you. And I, and you know, it's, and, well, here's why, because like, we have nostalgia for Pierce Brosnan. We don't have nostalgia for Roger Moore. So there are no. people out there that like would latch on to Roger Moore and be like, fuck Pierce Brosnan. I think there are certain givens that like Daniel Craig and Sean Connery have like, you know, elevated the character in ways that the others just didn't. Right. Yeah. Um, you're, you're totally right. It, it, it I, I can't wait to dig into Connery, man. I'm so excited. But the, the reality <laughs> is, 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 um, I don't think that uh, I think that Roger Moore is worthy of his um, his praise, but I don't think he's worthy of the legacy of these movies. I think he transcends the legacy of the movies a little bit because it's not his fault to bring it back. I think it's not Hayden Christensen's fault. So I <laughs> think that Roger Moore, you know, like he is better than the sum of the movies that he was in. And there's good ones to find. There's ones you can skip. And just like Lonnie, it's totally okay. You're not missing much. Right. Yeah. I don't know. I, I mean, it, he, I, I'm glad that we went. I'm actually really glad that we went in the order we did. And uh, fuck everyone else for. No, <laughs> totally. No, please but, disagree with us. We did this with the way we wanted to do it. And it, I think it came, I think it worked out awesome because. Now we get to end with Connery. <laughs> yeah, we get to end with the man. And we get to end with the legacy and the yeah. the way that, you know, this was new and fresh and different and, and world-changing. You know what I mean? Like, the ripples of the first few Bond movies echo so big into pop culture. And they transformed the way that, you know, movies are made, the way that, you know, they're doing action scenes, the way that they're... Um, incorporating you know uh plots that are relevant you know geopolitically like it, they were really doing things there and i think that the the roger moore movies the plots because you know the soviet union dies down in level of threat and then comes back up is crazy and it really affects the movies heavily yeah because in the you know at least in um live and let die and man with the golden gun you have the kind of the sense that you know mi6 is worried and concerned about what the russians are doing but it's not the everyday concern in spy who loved me and moonraker they have no part in it <laughs> and, or, and th there are moments where like i don't remember which movies but they're like buddy buddy with the russians totally it's like, in for your eyes only yeah okay great and then you come back to you know octopussy and then we where we just ended with a view to kill where they're big threats again yeah and that they are you know and that's it it's interesting historically looking back on it to be like, you know, you know, it helps you think about now that like, you, you know, sometimes they're more of a threat. Sometimes they're less of a threat, but they're always our enemies, <laughs> you know, and that's OK. True. And True. and they're reliable. They're re reliable bad guys. So, OK, so I have this other thing that I kind of want to talk about. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the absence of anywhere else to put it. Um, but like. So obviously. Unfortunately, Roger Moore passed away several years ago, so yes. there's there's no opportunity for this thing that I'm about to propose. Oh, I oh, go ahead. How cool would it be if we had, like, I know we've talked about in theories uh, uh, what the next Bond is gonna be, 
you know, whether it's going to be a black bond, a female bond, a they're going to take a break forever, whatever. I think it would actually be super cool if we went back to one of the original actors and had like a legacy bond. I know like we kind of get it as Roger Moore is as his, as he ages, but like that wasn't the intention, (laughs) right? It just happened to be that he was getting older, but like, wouldn't it be like, I, I think there are two prime examples of who, who they could choose and it would be either Dalton or Brosnan. But I think because Dalton has only had two films and I think he's kind of like like an unsung hero. Yeah. How cool would it be to have like him come back in, you know, a couple of years from now and, and be like this aged Bond? I think it's a genius idea. You know, I I, I thought you were going to go one way. I thought you were going to say, how do you have an inve- an Avengers of Bonds? Whoa. You know, that's a whole other thing. Right. Like, how do you bring in Pierce Brosnan, Timothy Dalton, Sean Connery and whatever respect he wants to return, you know, uh, Lazenby's dead, right? Is he alive? No, Lazenby's alive. Oh, but he's crazy, right? I think he's crazy, but like also Sean Connery's 90. Like, I don't think he's going to be game for anything. Well, can't you just roll him out on a wheelchair to say a line or two or something? Or is he too drunk all the time to do that? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Okay. Okay. Um, Like, I was thinking like an Avengers level. Not even, and not even like as crazy as you would go for, like not, and I'm not saying that like they would all team up and fight Thanos at the end. I'm saying like, (laughs) how do you have like Timothy Dalton and Lazenby and Brosnan and, you know, Connery show up in a Daniel Craig? And how do you, (sighs) that would be fucking awesome, right? That would be so awesome, but. I think we're we're starting to blend into sci-fi, unfortunately. Which no, I, really I agree. Do. I like your idea of the legacy bond. I think that that's actually a really cool idea because then you actually don't have to set. That's what we were talking about before. Uh, I think we mentioned it before, like a period bond. Like, how do you yeah. do a bond out of time? You know what I mean? Like, go yep. back. You know, so could you do Timothy Dalton in the early '90s? Sure. You know, could you do Pierce Brosnan, you know, in 2004? You know what I mean? Right before Craig, you know, like I kind of I kind of dig that idea. I also like the idea that they retap them because it's an old villain that's cropped back up. Yes. You know, like what if uh, the bad guy from License to Kill, you know, shows back up and they need to get Dalton because he knows this guy and he's got to fight him. Right. And like I'm also down to see see them aged. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. If because I mean right now like we know Timothy Dalton is acting he's still working I'm as is Pierce Brosnan and they they look older but like there's no reason I mean they're not going to be that physical that same physical element that Daniel Craig has but like no one really is going to do that unless and then if they did it would feel too much the same so like if you go in a completely different direction you've got like this like. Batman Beyond level kind of thing where maybe maybe he's there but maybe he's not like the guy and that there's someone else that he's working with that like a young agent or something I don't know I think that just would be a really cool way to like honor the legacy of of this franchise by bringing somebody back um and and I don't know we'll see what they do okay (laughs) probably not um let's end on a positive note uh so with this um 
you know, wrap up of, of Roger Moore, um, you know, I think it's, there's something to be said about how crazy the titles are in his era, like live and let die man with the golden gun spy who loved me moonraker for your eyes only octopussy a view to a kill it's interesting the way that they change like some of them are fleming titles some of them are not right right um you know is there a perfect way to create a bond title and how do you do that wow um i mean to be totally honest with you like a lot of these don't really mean anything. <laughs> no, you're right. Like, like I, I mean, the man with the golden gun, yep. there is a man with a golden gun. Boom. Perfect. Great title. <laughs> um, Octopussy is the character name, even if it's kind of weird. Um, but like, yeah, I mean, Fear Art is only and A View to a Kill are very generic sounding. And because of that, they're going to, like fall out of my memory very fast. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know if there's a perfect way. I mean, even in the modern era, right? Like, so like no time to die is coming out, but that seems like the most Fleming style of the titles of the Craig era. Right. Because if you ha- look at Casino Royale, yeah. Quantum of Solace, Skyfall Spectre, two back to back one word titles. Yeah. No time to die is much more Fleming. You're right. It's so Fleming. You know, I, I think there's an equation to this, and I would love to revisit this idea at a different time. Um, yeah. Uh, I don't know. Final thoughts, final ideas, anything else we should say about Sir Roger Moore? Um, I mean, I, I, I mean, Sir Roger Moore himself, probably not. I, uh, I think we've kind of covered it. I, I think it's, it's really cool, though, that this era – of Bond gave us some like almost potential spectacular villain. Like it's how rare is it that a villain of a James Bond movie is like someone like an actor of note, right? Like we've got Christopher Lee and Christopher Walken. Yeah. In these, um, the rest like are kind of just like, meh. Like, I don't know. To me, there's something there, like cast an excellent actor as your primary villain. And you might have something. And you'll have an interesting movie. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think that both times when they went big, you have really interesting, really memorable villains. And the ones where they don't go with that, you you, you forget. <laughs> you know? <laughs> they're very forgettable. They're, they're, just, they're just generic bad guys. Um, yeah, man. Uh, and then Jaws. I mean, Jaws. Well, like, Jaws, sure. That's, he, he, he's really like one of the biggest legacies of the era, right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, he made the video game. Roger Moore did not. Um, you know, uh, oof, I wish he had come back for a third. He should have, de- he deserved a trilogy. He deserved a, f- a final, a final bow out. You know, I get that they wanted to do it for the kids and the way that they set up Moonraker that he turns good and he sails off into the sunset with a love interest. But for my money, I think they could, they could have brought him back for your eyes only or even Octopussy and make him be working for Octopussy. And then Roger Moore being like, do I trust you? I don't know if I trust you. Yeah. Should I, should we work together? Are we going to fight again? You know, like it would, it's one of the more compelling arcs of the series. (laughs) Because there is an arc. There is, there's an arc for fucking a physical antagonist. And there isn't one for the main character of the fucking whole series. Um, how about that? Yeah. That's weird as shit. Um, okay. Uh, the seventies and the eighties were a weird time for movies, guys. It was just weird. Um, let's talk about Connery for a second. Maybe we talk about what we're excited about. 
Yeah. Um, I I got so I haven't watched Doctor No in probably twenty years. Um, I don't I don't remember it too much. I'm curious. I, to I don't s- know if it's been as long for me, but it's probably back there in the memory banks. I, yeah, I mean, I think all of these I've probably only seen once, and I was like taking my sweet ass time. Like I feel like the most recent one, You Only Live Twice, I probably watched. I don't know, six years ago. Yeah. And everything else was pre that. So, uh, yeah, I know what you mean. <laughs> I'm excited to see if Connery has an arc or if there's an arc we can find within Connery's work that, mm. you know, to see where he grew and changed or, or evolved. Like, did he do things that he wanted to do? Did he, you know, shift away from things that he didn't want to do? Um, you know, I'm also excited to go back and see the legacy elements of Bond in general. I'm excited to see, the martinis again i'm excited to see the tuxes i'm excited to see the cars and the and the watches like and and the style i think the style of the early 60s bond is the memory i have in my mind of james bond in like that you have those the beetle suits and the you know the black you know thin ties and the swoop over hair that that to me is iconic that is iconic and but the things that we also noticed about the 70s and the 80s were some pretty dramatic racism, pretty oh, dramatic yeah. uh, violence against women, and I, that may increase as we go further back in time. I think slightly. Um, to, to prepare ourselves for that. I'm also really excited, and I know we've said this before, that neither of us has, have seen Diamonds Are Forever. So like, as much as, a, as that film is a swan song, swan song for Sean Connery, Ooh, that's a mouthful. Yeah. It's going to be a really cool way to, to wrap things up because we know that uh, what happens after and what kind of happened in between. And, um, yeah, I'm very excited. But before all of that, we're taking a few detours. Oh, yeah. Oh, tell him. Tell him, Frank. All right. So first up, everyone. If you've been listening to the podcast since the beginning, which 113 episodes, I don't know if you have. Way back in 2017, we did a crossover with my friends from uh, college at JMU, and they have their own podcast, The Game Brew. Those guys have been on our uh, podcast a few times since, but back then we did a, a true crossover, and we went on their episode, and they came on ours. We're doing that again. Um, so Hell yeah. stay tuned for that. We will provide all the information once we have it, the drop date and everything. But uh, they're excited to have us on. We're going to talk Bond video games and spy video games and all that stuff and our hopes and dreams. And then, as we have been doing, we are taking our next detour into the Austin Powers land, uh, covering Gold Member, which I think this is a perfect, appropriate time to Ugh. post seventies, eighties, uh, James Bond, and some of the Game Brew uh, crew are going to join us for that episode. That's going to be so fun. <laughs> so <laughs> it's going to be so fun. Uh, so we've got a lot in the next few weeks, and then we'll be back with Sean Connery kicking it off with Doctor Now. I'm really excited. We had a, a really great meeting with the Game Brew guys uh, recently, and. It's going to be super funny and, uh, you know, definitely uh, an episode to uh, we're going to definitely drink for (laughs) and you guys should have a drink or two for. Um, They're not going to be drinking beer, which is going to be crazy for them. them. (laughs) Uh, 
they drink it. They always choose like a super cool, you know, crafty microbrew. Sometimes they go different, but it's usually a cool crafty microbrew of some kind. Um, we do not <laughs> intentionally drink on the podcast. Um, I usually do just because it's fun. <laughs> yeah, but it's not like um, a part of the show, right? No, it's not part of the show. You know, I was... I'll bring the crew in. Um, so, yeah, I haven't. So if you know me at all, AJ Sherman, you know, for the last 10 years, I have been a big uh, weed enthusiast. Um, this is the end of the episode, so I could talk about this here, I think, freely. I have been abstaining from weed for I'm on my uh, I think today is day 28 um, wow. and I'm going strong, taking it day by day. And the past few episodes I have done sober. Um, and trying to be, you know, more present of mind. And I think it's going really well. Um, but that doesn't mean I'm not going to drink for this one. <laughs> and I think it's going to be a fun departure to, you know, socially enjoy it, you know? Um, yeah. and it, it, different things are different for everybody. You know, I think, uh, you know, quitting weed is, um, interesting because, you know, Mitch Hedberg once said, you know, alcoholism is the only disease people can yell at you for having. Well, having <laughs> having a weed addiction is the only addiction people will disagree with you about. <laughs> so, you know, if you're like, oh, you know, I'm addicted to weed, you know, somebody will say, no, you're not. No, you're not. No, you're not. It's kind of similar, I think, to probably how people feel when they're like, you know, when they're overweight and they say like, oh, you know, I'm fat. And then people say, oh, no, you're beautiful. You're not fat. Well, it's like, no, like I'm, I'm still fat. <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> like so. You know, realistically, like I was overusing, I was going too crazy, and um, it's been a very welcome break and uh, uh, enlightening, to say to say the least. So that's awesome. Very yeah. proud of you. It, it's um, you know, it's good. Thank you. I love yeah. it. But I, you know, I do want to. I I try not to talk about it too much because, first of all, I don't. You know, it's not something I would be posting on Facebook, but it's definitely. Um, you know, it, it's hard to talk about, um, yep. and it's. Uh, you know, people make changes. It's okay. Yeah, it's okay. Um, so, yeah. Uh, all right. I tried to end on a lighter note, and I totally brought the whole fucking mood right down. It's okay. We're, we're going we're gonna to make some martinis next week. Yes. Whenever the episode comes out. And uh, I, I'm excited for that. I, I have been experimenting with them be, as we've been watching James Bond. It's, it's fun to... Oh, really? Yeah. It, like we've, I'm, I like gin. I don't like vodka, so that's my problem. I, I can't drink vodka, but gin martinis, and I've ha tried a couple of different gins. Which one do you like, and I'll get it? <sighs> that's a hard question. So we have this, like, boutique -y wine shop down the road that we get everything Frank from. lives in Brooklyn, everybody. <laughs> Did you know? <laughs> <laughs> and so the, the, the gin that we get, you probably won't know. It's called Aria. Okay. If we were to go to a regular liquor store... Um, which we have done recently, and I have made martinis with, I would probably say Bombay Sapphire. That's what I got on the bar right there. I'm staring yeah. at it. it it's it, We tried that. I tried Tanqueray. I think I also... Uh, what else did I have? That might have been it. No, I uh, Hendrix. I did have Hendrix, too. I I've, I've, I actually have drank Hendrix uh, gin and tonics, and I like that. Yeah, I'm currently drinking a gin and tonic, the Aria gin, and so Oof. I'm very excited to make uh, maybe i'll get bombay that might be a good, good idea although can you can you walk me through your recipe and i'm gonna go try to recreate this right now um it's surprisingly simple okay it's you know it's really like two maybe three ingredients depending on what you count 
So it's gin. Yeah. And and dry vermouth. And yeah. <laughs> and it's a very small amount. Right. So pretty much you're gonna do like one part dry vermouth to five parts gin. Okay. So just measure that out depending on the size of your glass. Like I've used jiggers, I've used shot glasses. It just depends on what you're using. Um, and that'll probably get you in a good realm. You don't really want to be tasting that um, that ver- vermouth really much. Do you uh, garnish? What do you garnish with? I do. I do. I do a um, a slice of lemon peel. Do okay. a little twist over it, if you can. I highly recommend chilling your gr- glasses in advance. Okay. And then you know you shake up. I do shaken. Eh, so. Well, it, the- well, can, let's <laughs> talk about that. Uh, the shaken, not stirred line is wrong. It is. It's wrong. <laughs> um, so here's my justification of it. I'm going to do the full angle of it. So shaken, not stirred to bartender's lingo. Frank and I both tended bar for a little while. Yep. Uh, is that um, when you're shaking or you should always uh, shake, um, you know, uh, cloudy liquids or fruit juices or whatever you're going to use because you're trying to create the emulsion, right? That's why you're doing it. You would never shake clear liquors because you're going to dilute the alcohol. So my thinking is that while it's very specific to James Bond, the reason he's doing it is not because he's, you know, stupid. It's because he's trying to maintain some level of sobriety while he's still being a secret agent and enjoying the drink. Possibly, however... (laughs) Technically, the true James Bond drink, yeah, which uh, I think is the Vesper, right? Yes, the Vesper from Casino Royale, um, is like gin, vodka, something else, and a little bit of vermouth. Very, very potent. So, if you do that, and I guess if you shake it, <laughs> maybe it dilutes it a little bit. That's still a fucking strong drink. Hell, <laughs> yes, it is. Um, so now that you've got the recipe, everybody get ready because we are going to be going full in on the next episode. Um, and, uh, thank you for tuning in. This was a blast. Frank, take us out. Of course. Um, so thank you for tuning in to this episode of the long lost heroes podcast. We are now fully done with Roger Moore. Uh, we only have six films to go. I'm very excited. Um, you can always find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at LLH Podcast. You can email us at info at longlostheroes.net. You can find us on our website at www.longlostheroes.net. Please subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or Google Play, whatever your podcast uh, catcher of choice is. And please rate and review the podcast and comment. We really appreciated some of the feedback that we've been getting. So please send it our way and we will, you know, talk about you on the air as we have in the past. Um, anything else for you tonight, AJ? I'm set, dude. I'm, I'm good. Thank you all. Um, it's just a fucking pleasure to be here with you guys in these crazy times. Stay safe. Black Lives Matter. And be good to each other. Sounds good. Well said. Thanks, everyone. Bye.